Sound drama. Do, 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 do. Hi, Jeffrey. <laughs> Hi, Christy. Hi, everybody. We are back this week and we do not have a special guest to interview this week. Uh, this week, it's just me and Jeffrey. We're going to go back to our old ways and just kind of like sit around and chat about what's going on at the theater and what's coming up and um you know what how how are you doing on this crazy snow day jeffrey um i i'm fine i i love to prepare for things mm -hmm. yes <laughs> yes we know this so i'm i'm we're we're good here we're very fortunate um that you know with so far we haven't had to deal with a lot of power outages or anything and um got a, the supplies we need to sort of weather it. I know a lot of people are struggling. So, you know, you, there's also, there's also guilt that comes along with being prepared. <laughs> yeah. We're also very lucky just for everybody. This is the, the, we are chatting on the second day of, of, uh, of the big snow here in Dallas, uh, which by the time you hear this, it will have been last week. Um, and yeah, we're, we're fine. Also, I, there's a, also a little bit of guilt that goes with like, we've been so lucky to not lose power. Um, we've been having some pipe issues. Um, but you know, we have a fireplace, everybody's healthy. We have food. So it's, um, we're very lucky on, on that, on that front. Uh, yeah, we just, we just felt like, people are dealing with so much right now that there wasn't, I didn't feel like, Oh, let's call somebody and have them be a guest on the podcast because, you know, they're probably like, where's my next hot meal going to come from? Um, so what does that mean for the theater? What does, what does, uh, what does this week mean for the theater? Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on? Uh, we have a, we have a, a Oh, a lot going on. Um, we're prepping for stuff that's coming up in the future. Some of that got put on hold this week just because everyone's um, snowed in. Um, we're, we're having to put love and kindness that Regina Taylor's uh, um, curating um, is being pushed ahead two weeks because fancy famous Regina Taylor is uh, uh, was cast in a, in a film and will be... Um, off shooting for a couple weeks. So congratulations. Congratulations to her. That's good news for her, you know, and for, you know, it might've, it might've come at the, just at the right time for us since everything is having to be pushed back. Anyway, well, and because... I told Regina, like I always, of course it's inconvenient when you have to reschedule or you have to recast because right. someone gets a good gig. I've never, as a producer or a director, I have never gotten angry about that Yeah, because it's exciting for them. It's, it's, it's just part of this business. Um, and it's, it, it, I'd love to see people get work. Right. Right. I remember that was one of the things, one of the first things I learned when I came to Dallas and, you know, one of the, the, I mean, not one of the first place where I worked and kind of like uh, cultivated a home, a, an artistic theatrical home. Uh, when I came to Dallas was at Teatro Dallas, um, under the mentorship of the great Cora Cardona. 
Um, we need to get on the podcast. Oh, we need to get on the podcast. We do. Um, she and she never. She always said to us, "If you, if we're doing a play, and if you get a gig that pays you money, she was always like, go do that gig. I will not resent you. I will not. It's no hard feelings. That's the business. You should be taking those gigs. And so that was always one of the first. That was one of the things that I learned from her. And um, it's nice to pass that down, you know, because there are, I will say it, there are producers and there are directors who, I mean, I've encountered that sometimes do get resentful about that sort of thing. And that's one of the things that I like to pass down to younger um, actors um, or just anybody, in, frankly, is that, no, go do it. Go do that gig. Go make that money. Um, it's a great opportunity for you. And how, how, can you, how can you hold that against anybody? You know, if you are working, here's a message for you young actors, if any of you are listening. If you are working for a director or a producer doing a play, and then you get the opportunity to go do something, you know, that pays you, gives you a good paycheck or allows you to get your union card or whatever, and you have to step away from the other thing. If that producer or director holds that against you or gets angry at you or makes you feel bad about it, you don't want to be working for that person anyway. And that's just the truth. And you can tell everybody in the world that I said that because. Well, the thing, there is a little give and take there though. What I really appreciate is when they're transparent about it and they right. give you a heads up, hey, I want you to know I'm being considered for this. Right. So we have time to make plans. Now, if you spring it on me on tech without any, you know, Right. Without any heads up, that's shitty. That's super shitty. Right. I once had a, I was directing a show over at Shakespeare Dallas and I cast this young actor and we weren't in rehearsals yet or anything. Like we were about to start rehearsals and I had had so much trouble casting this role. I couldn't find anyone for this role. Uh, just, I couldn't find the right person. It was it's very specific. And uh, finally it cast this young actor and I was like, oh, Thankfully, we can we can start next week. <laughs> and uh, he called me. He was in tears, like in literal tears and was like, I'm so sorry, but I got this opportunity to play this lead and it's at a Lord house and I can get my card. And I just I feel so bad and like literally crying. And I it, I ended up being like the one going, don't feel bad. It's good. Go do it. It's good for you. I'm I'm happy for you. And then everything ended up happening the way it was supposed to because the guy we ended up working with was incredible in the role so you know I I there was a time in my career where I was like the thing that I'm working on must be a specific way and it has to happen this way for it to be perfect and if it doesn't then it's being ruined right and the older I get and the more experience I I've I've gotten of course the more I'm like everything is going to happen how it's going to happen and the way it happens is the way it needed to happen yeah you know because the other way it's just too anxious making <laughs> yeah yeah, I, yeah I, i'm the same way like that stuff doesn't especially now I, we, we were just talking about this yesterday um the 
another, you know, we're always looking for these fucking silver linings to everything we're going through. Uh, and, and that in and, in and of itself is annoying to a certain degree. Right. But it, everything just hardens your shell and, and allows you to cope with like, like stuff like that, like this tiny tragedy of having to recast something like that just, that doesn't, right. it just rolls off my back now, you know, a pandemic, a, a you know, you know, snow apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. It just hardens your shell. It does. I think, I think you're right. It hardens your shell, but it also makes you put things into perspective, you know? Um, Another thing I learned from another director I worked with is that, you know, people are more important than plays. Yeah. People are more important than plays. I mean, it's like, the show will go on no matter what, like in some way, shape or form. But if someone needs help or is in pain or just can't go on or needs to do something else, you, I mean, there, yeah. I mean, that's, it's, people are more important than place. You got to care for people. You got to let people take care of themselves or, you know, then they don't, for one thing, they can't give you your, your their best, you know? If, if you don't allow them to, to feel or give them room, not allow, but give them room to, to, to uh, be okay in their life. Um, when we were doing Dracula, I had one actor who had just become a father. Uh, his wife had just had a baby and, uh, or they had a very young baby and um, he had to take care of he was the baby's caretaker while his wife was at work and he had to wait for his wife to get home before he could come to rehearsal of course and they couldn't find childcare. I remember those days I remember those days when my kids were little and he came to me very distressed at one point he was like I just I can't get here right at six o'clock I I will probably be here by 6 20 but I will be here and when I'm here and I was like hey 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 I was like it's totally cool you get here when you get here thank you for telling me we will make it work we will work on your scenes when you get here don't worry about it and as a result that kid was so good in the show. Like he would arrive prepared. He would always give 110%. Um, yeah, you can't like, you can't be a, a, a tyrant, you know? You've got to work with people. And times have changed it, it, regionally anyway. I know the big cities are always different like in New York, but I, I mean, there used to be for decades like that, like starting in the eighties, going into the nineties a little bit, people really could make a full-time living just being a stage actor. There were the dinner, there's so many dinner theaters. There was, mm-hmm. there was just a lot more, there were more Lort theaters. Theater yeah. three was a Lort theater at that right. time. Um, and so I think in a way you could be a little more demanding and restrictive. You can't do that anymore because everyone's gigging all over the place. Um, right. To be able just to do, to do the theater. Um, and so you just can't resent them for no but you know a lot of things are changing I mean there's like a whole movement for those people that don't know and I I have a feeling that people the people who listen to this podcast all two people um, (laughs) know more about theater than we're assuming that they do but for those of you that don't know there there is a such a thing as a 
10 out of 12, what we call like in tech, right? Um, and uh, where, where you work basically, what, 12 hours, like you work 10 hours out of 12 hours. Um, they're very, and sometimes they're longer and you can, according to our union, you can only have so many of those, right? But like the bigger you are and the more money you have, the more 10 out of 12s you're allowed to have. I've been in processes, processes where we would have like entire weeks of very, very, very long tech days. Uh, and they're, I happen to like tech when I'm on the director side of the table, but as an actor, they can be grueling. They can be grueling. And um, it's almost uh, cruel and unusual punishment. And there's a whole movement now to get rid of, to get rid of 10 out of 12s, uh, which I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I don't know if I'm like, well, but did they bother me that much? But I guess, how do you feel about it? Am I putting you on the spot? I, well, I have two different, I'm two different people. Um, I'm a performer, but I'm also a producer. Right. Um, and so as a producer, I, there is, there's a day, like if you, if you get rid of those 10 out of 12s, what that means is you require more days right. of tech, which means you require more rehearsal time, which means you're going to have to add a week which becomes more expensive and blah. I mean, I would love to be able to rehearse one more week. Sometimes, sometimes the what- Sometimes like, you don't like, need to. Yeah, three and a half weeks is great, especially mm -hmm. if you have actors that come prepared and don't use rehearsals to learn the lines. Right. Um, but I understand as an actor, I mean, everything that everything else you have to do to prepare for being away from home responsibilities for 12, mm -hmm. well, let's face it, probably 13 to 14 hours when you yeah. had traveling and preparation and everything. That's, that's really hard. Um, so I, I, I see, I see both. I, I like the 10 out of 12. You just, because sometimes tech requires the first two hours of tech, sometimes three hours, it takes that long to get into a rhythm. Right. You know? And, and I, the thing that some people forget is the, the 10 out of 12s are not, it's not really for the actors. The 10 out of 12s, it's for the designers. Yeah. It's, the, it's the time that the designers use to catch up to the work that the actors have done in rehearsals. You know, that's, when, that's when all the magic happens. Um, so yeah, sometimes I, I feel two ways about it. You know, I've, I've never been one of those people that minded. Yeah. 10 out of 12s. I mean, I don't mind tech. Like I said, I actually really, really like tech. At the same time, I acknowledge that it can be grueling, especially, especially if you're doing a huge show like something like Christmas Carol, right? Yeah. Uh, or which you've done, I've done, uh, and you're having to run those numbers and those changes like over and over and over again. And you have to unless somebody says to you, just mark it, you're having to do them at full energy, you know, every time. So people can see, does this work? Does it not work? They're also um, the hidden benefit of long texts is that's typically when a cast really bonds. Yeah, it's true. That's, that's when true. that really, because all that downtime of sitting backstage, whispering to one another, um, <laughs> you know, being yelled at, keep it down, keep right. it down. I right. mean, that's a, that's a really important part of the cast 
becoming a company family. You know? Yeah. I mean, there have been times, there've been times when it's like, that's when, that's when something finally hits yeah. because, because you're exhausted or because you're just like, F it. I'm just going to do whatever. And then something happens and you go, Oh, that's what that moment is. Okay. I remember it was so crazy. So I just short story one year that we were doing Christmas Carol, we were all so tired. Oh, because it was the first year of the new one, not the one that the theater center used to do, but this new one at the Wiley. And so there were a lot of new scenic elements that we didn't know how to deal with yet. And if you've seen it, then you know, and you have, your wife has been in it. Um, there's a giant pipe on stage. And that first year that that version was produced, Marley would crash through that pipe, right? He would come up through that pipe. So for part of the show, that pipe, the top of that big pipe had a hard, like a hard top that you could sit on, stand on, whatever. But there was a switcheroo that would happen so that, well, the first part of the show, it was like a, a it wasn't sheetrock, it was like foam or something yeah. painted to look like a hard thing. And then the switch would happen and you would get the hard one and you could stand on it. But it had to be that, that kind of sheetrocky foam one at the beginning so Marley could pop through it. And we had been told, we had been told by the stage manager, and you know, there's children in the show. We had been told by the stage manager, do not if the pop, if the pipe top is black, do not sit on or stand on it. When it is silver, you can sit on it or stand on it. If it's black, do not sit or stand on it or you will fall through and die, right? Like that's what we were told. You will fall through and die because it had to be like drummed into us. And it was one of those, one of those long, 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 long tech nights. It was just really long. And we were all so exhausted. We were all so exhausted. And I remember I was sitting in the, in the mezzanine section. Someone else was, and we were all around. And, and Danny Estrada, who was playing Fred that year, was like standing on stage and they, they called for a hold. And they called hold and the lights changed and he, I could just see it in his face. And I saw it in slow motion. I saw it happen in slow motion. He started to go down to sit on the pipe and it had the black top on it. And I just remember Alex Oregon going, no, <laughs> like it all happened in slow motion. And Danny crashed through the pipe and like fell through. Well, what they hadn't told us with it was only like, two or three feet, right? But he disappeared yeah. completely into the pipe. And I just heard one of the little Christmas Carol kids like, oh no, is Danny dead? <laughs> and it was like, ah, oh my God. So like the children literally thought we will die. Oh. Uh, and he was fine, nothing happened, but it was, I just felt so bad because you know, the, the emphasis put on do not sit there or you will die. And the kids literally thought this turned into a long story. Anyway, <laughs> that's a tech story for the ages. Do you have a funny tech story? I did. Well, the On the Eve, those who remember the musical On the oh, Eve. Oh, yeah. Um, the second, 
everything about that show was hard from beginning to end. But the second time at theater three during tech, I mean, we, we stretched the seams of that old building. I mean, it was, we were using every electrical outlet, every, I mean, this <laughs> is a fun show. Oh my God. It was so to much. Watch. <laughs> yeah. It was not, it was, it was never fun for me to watch because there were just so many, so many moving parts. Like I would love if I would, if I was to ever do that show again, we're getting close on the 10 year anniversary. I would go the complete opposite route and use nothing. Like, I think there's a, I think there would be a beautiful version of that that would be super simple. But anyway, <laughs> that version was not. And I, I mean, it was just insane. And the building is older and the fire alarms sometimes just randomly go off. Oh yeah. So they, Day two of tech after just, I mean, it was, it was grueling just how much tech end of the night, like 11 o'clock at <laughs> night, we're getting close to finishing, doing something, uh, doing something towards the end of the show, teching that sequence and the fucking fire alarm goes off. <laughs> and, and for those of you that don't know, it, it, it's, it's a whole Thing you have to do at theater three when the fire alarm goes off yeah because it because we are in a larger complex the quadrangle that security our our fire alarms are wired into that so that security uh um, company is notified they have to come i can't just call the fire department and say hey false alarm no worries <laughs> and for those of you who have been in text before quite often the theater is a disaster Mm -hmm. um, because you're still in tech it's not it's not ready for an audience so there was crap everywhere we had um it was a big cast that show we had all the cubbies and wow. the hallways filled with stuff because it was part of this sort of sleep no more style immersive you see things happening everywhere so it looked like there was just a bunch of squatters living in there because everyone's dressed in rags and it was just and um, they came and I was like, we're done. Like they're about to, they're just they're gonna shut, shut down, us down forever. They came in, it's amazing how sometimes uh, EMS and, and um, first responders have just, they just put on blinders. Like they yeah. literally, it's, they put on blinders. They're only there to see the thing they need to see. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they've seen everything though. Right? That's yeah. why. They're like, they've nah. seen everything. They came. It eventually turned off. We um, we called it that night. We were like, okay, that's it, everyone, <laughs> go, go home. home. But then I, and I was so panicked. I was like, man, this is because so much of this was riding on me. I was just an artistic associate at that time. I wasn't running the theater three. This was a bit of a risk for them. There were not to go into too much. There were a lot of challenges. Um, I was so freaked out. I was like, I can't, this is gonna, I can't. What if I set the theater on fire? Because we have so many things plugged in. What do I do? So I stayed that night till, I don't know, like two or three in the morning, just went around replacing uh, electrical receptacles. I can see you doing that. So like, I would like, oh, that one looks like it's a little loose or it's cracked. And so like I was in the tunnel where we keep all our lighting stuff laying on the ground, like replacing the electrical outlets there and replacing. God, it was. You're going to be like, you're going to be a, one of those theater ghosts. Like we're, you know, we're going to see you walking around the theater after you're gone replacing yeah. things and 
making sure that, oh, it's just Jeffrey. You know, the way they talk about Kalita Humphreys. Yeah. It's just Jeffrey. He's, he's replacing some bulbs. Oh, for the love of God, please. I, I'm happy to haunt a place. I've spent enough time at Theater 3. Let me something else. Oh, man. Oh, so many stories. See, if you get rid of 10 out of 12s, then you don't have stories. Yeah, you just, yeah. You don't you know, have stories. It's, you know, people bring food. They, everyone brings food to snack on. So that's, mm -hmm. I guess that probably won't be happening much in the near future because no, that was, probably that was one of the ways we spread the flu during a show. Oh God. Show. Yeah. I mean, I've been in shows where people are quarantined where like it's, there's literally a taped off square on the floor that says, this is the quarantine area. You have to, if you're sick, you have to sit over here. Um, because you just, you just keep going. You just keep going. Like the show just keeps going. It's in, in this job is insane. I sometimes wonder why we do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's fun though. It's a lot of fun. You make lifelong friends. Uh, whoa, what, what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say something and then I, I totally forgot. So, okay. All right. So, the future. Yeah. You and this I have the original intent of this podcast. This was the original right? intent. Then we got off track. We went off the rails talking about how much we love tech. Um, but yeah, so we, you and I, have been talking a lot about, and it's not just recently. I mean, since for a whole year now that the pandemic has been going on, we've been talking and thinking about what this means for the theater going forward and how the pandemic has changed everything. I mean, it's changed everything. It's, it's changed how we do theater. It's changed how we look at selling tickets. It's changed all kinds of things. And it has also changed how we think about picking seasons a little bit, don't you think? So the big, the conversations that theaters are having now all across the country here in the Metroplex is big or small, big or small. I would venture to say overwhelmingly, especially theaters of our size mm -hmm. um, and smaller and maybe slightly bigger, they're, they're banking on small shows, meaning cast of two or three mm -hmm. uh, because, because of the union, because of it's, it's easier to be safer and so that is one of the big things we've been wrestling with. Like if we do get to, if we get to a next season, uh, we will, we will get to. We will, season. we will. Um, what do we, what do we do? We're leaning towards going big for a couple things with the hopes that people are gonna want that. Right. Um, but it's a big risk. It's yet again another big game. It, it's always a gamble. Everything choosing a season season is always a, a risk and a gamble. You have no idea what's gonna be successful and what isn't. Um, this, but like this is the chance, isn't it? This is our chance to, you know, because since you have to think more specific, right? We have to think, and we're nothing if we're not specific. But we have to think more specifically about the things that we have the capacity to do, whether it's a small cash show or a big cash show. We have to think about what is the thing that we are going to go all in for. 
right? And this has been an opportunity for us to go, okay, Jeffrey, okay, Christy, what, and I mean like to each other, like what are the kinds of shows that you and I like to do and see? And you and I are both, you know, our aesthetic is, leans more towards um, like weird, risky, avant-garde stuff. And we, you and I don't always agree, but when we do, it is kind of in that direction of let's just do something completely out of the box, right? And when I look at, when I look at the stuff that you have created, it, like with the drama club or, you know, at Undermain or like other places where it was just you, Jeffrey, and you didn't have to think about, you didn't have to think about an institution, right? Yeah. It was just stuff that you wanted to do. And when I look at the stuff that I've done in the past where it was just me coming in and directing something, it always goes into those into those avenues of like weird, crazy, absurd, avant-garde stuff, original, devised, whatever you want to call it. Um uh, that's not necessarily the history or the recent history of theater three, but not the recent history, no, no, it original, you know, that's what Norma and Jack were doing in the yeah. old days. But I mean, we've seriously been talking about like, is this, is this, is this the time now to kind of like go back to bringing some of that back uh, more of it? Yeah. Because there's, there's not a lot of it in town. No. Either. I think there was, when I was first hired um, as artistic director of Theater 3, of course, a lot of people congratulated me, but I got just as many questions, if not more, or concerns about what happens to the drama club, what happens to the drama club. Right. Um, Because we were, we had started gaining steam there and we're filling um, a category that there just really wasn't in town. Um, and so not for a while. I mean, not since the nineties when you and I first got here, that's when all that kind of stuff was happening. And there's been plenty of new theaters pop up, but none of them, that's not the, that's not the route they're taking, which is fine. Yeah. But no one is filling that part of that. I don't know. Well, I don't really know the reason why you, I you think it's just like trend. I mean, things change, right? Trends change. I mean, it's like the the late seventies and the in the eighties in New York was all about ridiculous theater company and Richard Foreman and all of those weird avant garde. You know, some of Anne Bogart stuff was going on. You know, and that eventually came to us, and we were doing it here. You know, Jack and Norma were doing it in the sixties and seventies. And the 90s were really like, you know, Teatro was doing weird, crazy stuff. Undermain was, I mean, Undermain always does weird, crazy stuff, but they were doing it even more. Um, Kitchen Dog was doing some edgy stuff. Our Endeavor Theater was doing some crazy stuff. Um, you guys in Fort Worth, didn't you and Lydia have a, a yeah. yeah. I mean, so all of that garage theater, Matt Posey, who still does crazy stuff, like yeah. that was all happening. And I think, you know, it just trends change, I guess. I'm, I'm yeah, you're right. Well, I'm not... you know, I, I hear this 
I've heard this on more than one occasion. So many actors that are go that go to go to the to get a degree in theater, their plan is to work for Disney. Ah. Uh. That's what they want. Like that 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 category of of performance, you know. That never occurred to me. Um, that's what they want to do. I mean, you so yeah, I don't know why I gravitated towards it or why you grab it. I mean, because I wasn't exposed to it till after college too. But then right. I was ex I was exposed to it at Teatro. Yeah, I know. That's that's where I, Cora Cardona is the person who introduced me to all that crazy avant-garde stuff. Yeah. And then like my mind was just like, whoa, this is nuts. This is what I want to be doing. Yeah. Who knows? I've always been more interested in what goes, like how you, like the, how theater communicates without the text. Meaning, right. it, it's like that, it's the difference between truth and reality. Like I'm more interested in finding a way to tell the truth, which quite often isn't with just the text you know, or, it, or it's not straightforward. Like, I love taking the scenic route to get my point across. Or right. Well, and, and truth is perspective. I mean, it's just the truth is different to whoever is, is telling you what the truth is, right? And whatever they're, you and I can both be walking down the street together and you will see a different truth than I see, you know? Uh, it's the same story. It's the same narrative. It's all the same elements, but depending on whose eyes and whose experiences you're navigating through, the truth is going to be different. And that's, that's, what's interesting to. Yeah. To I love creating me. that playground. Right. Where the entire audience can find their own truth. In right. What doing. Right. You know? Where you're just kind of like, these are the things that you're looking at. These are the things I'm going to show you. And the responsibility is as much on the audience to to create the story as it is on the performer, on the performers. Like it is, I'm giving you certain elements, and then you have to work a little bit to fill in the blanks. Um, and that's the that's the conversation that is interesting to me after the show, right? Instead of like just doing like a straight show and then having a talk back where you talk about how awesome all the actors are. Like the conversation that is interesting to me after a show is when you go see something crazy and absurd and, and that doesn't connect the dots for you. And that's how you can like, when the audience has to talk about it and go like, but what did, like, what did we just see? I'm not sure what we that's, just saw. Those are my favorite compliments. I love like over the years when I've gotten that. I don't know what I just saw, but I love it. Right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I those, love I love that too. I even, and I even like it when, like when I've done shows like that, when people are like people, I've had people come up to me and be like angry. Like I didn't like that scene. And I'm like, why? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> well, it's, there's something about it then I guess that you have to examine. That's the type of stuff that so I like. We're, um, yeah, so what are the, I don't know, do we tease? Them? Yeah, sure, let's talk about it. Because um, we're working on a season, of course. We have lots of versions of it. We have 
we have a like go big version. We have a, oh, we should stay small version. Um, but the one thing that always, and it, like, it bugs me when we, like I always want something that's definitely gonna challenge people. I, we gotta do the tent poles. We have to, and that's yeah. fine. And the yeah, tent that's... poles are fun. Rocky Horror Picture Show is fucking fun. Yeah. Great. But I wanna do something that really is- Out there. Out there. And so we've been throwing stuff around, throwing ideas. But one of the things that I have joked about for years is to do, no one, we don't need another festival. No one wants more festivals. Um, just standard like new play festival or um, uh, I don't know a Neil Simon festival or whatever. Um, well, that would be fun, right? Yeah, it would um, kind of be fun. Uh, but I was like, what if it was like it was a, something that everyone gets to really test or try out their crazy ideas that typically wouldn't see the light of day. So we're working on this idea called the Festival of Bad Ideas. Yeah, I think, I mean, the more we talk about it and the more it kind of like takes form, the more excited about it I get. I mean, there have been there have been versions of the new Festival of Bad Ideas where I'm like, mm, I don't know if we want to go down that street. And I'm kind of like the one in the room going like, ah, I don't want to do this. But the more we talk about it and the more we hone in on, oh, it could be this, the more exciting it sounds. And quite frankly, the more like old school vaudeville it starts yeah. to sound like, which is one of my loves, you know? So. And something is gonna like, I, I'm just, and if this is a continuation or a doubling down of like committing to creating work here as opposed to importing it. Um, you said, you, you said at one point, you know, Angels America started as a series of. Bad ideas. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it's, it's not like it sprung from his head fully formed, like yeah. Venus, you know, it's whatever. Um, and at some point, something's going to stick. Yeah. Now something is going to, it's really going to blow up, but we've got to create that, the fertile ground to grow that shit. And right. So let's have a festival. Of we bad just, ideas. we just have to be, we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared. I think we are. You know, we started this podcast today by going like, oh, the older I get, the more experience I have, the less I'm sure of what is actually good and bad, you know, um, or the more open my mind is to, to things, you know, that are whatever. So now we're here on this side of the podcast and I'm like, all right, so we have to be okay with sometimes it's going to be crap, you know? Like sometimes the, the thing we put on stage, that's what it is. That's what it's going to be. And to be absolutely okay with it, you know? You know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? You froze, you froze for a second. Say that oh, again. Oh, crap. No, that we have to be prepared and okay with the fact that sometimes what, what, what is born from the Festival of Bad Ideas is going to be terrible. Well, the disclaimer is in the title. Which is what I love. <laughs> like it's in the title. So yeah. if you if you show up and go, this was terrible, we can go, we warned well, you. We told you it was a bad idea. <laughs> That's the best. Oh, and I think we have another tagline. Theater Three's Festival of Bad Ideas. We warned you. <laughs> <laughs>
Nobody said we couldn't. And this is, it'll be an invitation, not just for like all performance. Right. Like, we're not going to limit it to uh, plays, you know, and I think the fir this first version, they're going to be short, short pieces, you know, right. not, there's not going to be a two hour long bad idea on stage. There's no, going to no, be no. a series of like 15, 10, 10 minute, 10 15, 15 minute bad ideas, bad ideas. And yeah. Yeah. So I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. We, the, we're going to have a hard time curating it, like deciding like what, what are the best bad ideas? You know? mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I'm but, looking, I'm looking forward to like the fire breeders and sword swallowers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm I, serious. There's nothing in town like that. I think, it, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun and we won't do it till next, like the next year. So hopefully we'll be through all of this mess. Mess. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's what Jeffrey and I are thinking about. We're just having bad ideas left and right. <laughs> we'll see what sticks. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, everybody, we'll talk to you next time on Uptown Drama. Do to do to do. Bye. Bye, all. Jeffrey. Bye bye. <laughs>